Hello and welcome to CX Conversations. This is your host Vivek bringing you CX lessons from CX leaders from around the world. Today on CX Conversations, I am talking about how to set up a customer experience management team in an organization. One of my earlier guests, Morris Fitzgerald, wrote an excellent article about how to avoid getting a yes for your project but without the people and resources you need to succeed. It is true that often your CX strategy gets a nod from management but without committing the resources required to execute that strategy. Now knowing how to set up and lead a CX management team is therefore critical. Talking about how to do that is my guest today Thomas Linton. Thomas is a customer zealer, passionate about empowering teams to deliver delightful customer experience. An MBA in marketing and strategic planning from Wharton School, Thomas has worked across brands like AT&T, GE, Bank of America, First Data Corporation, Assurant, and Laser Spine Institute. Thomas and I connected over LinkedIn given our common interest in CX. I am so delighted to be talking to him today. Thomas, welcome to CX Conversations. Glad to have you here. Vivek, thanks so much for having me on CX Conversations podcast. I'm very, very happy to support your efforts and to provide insights to the international CX community. Thank you, Thomas. I'm glad to have you here. So you've worked across so many different brands. Could you talk about some of the key lessons in building a CX team that you have learned through these experiences? Absolutely. There are many, many lessons that I've learned, man. It's been a, uh, it's been a journey, I would say. I'll share a few with you. Uh, first and foremost, you know, the CX leader must have alignment on expectations of the team and how much budget is allocated to build the team, right? Uh, secondly, you know, she must decide which is more important, the CX skills and experiences or actually formal education. And then lastly, the leader must trust the feedback obtained by his interview team. Man, I had the experience where I interviewed a candidate. Man, I was very, very high on this candidate. My interview team gave me feedback, though, that was much different than mine. You know, I ultimately hired the guy, and it turned out not to be such a good decision. I would just say, just trust the feedback of your interview team because uh, that's why you asked for them. And I can tell you, I have never made that mistake again, man. Okay. And I'm sure we are going to dig deeper into hiring tips also. But what you've just shared is incredible. And I would like to start from the beginning, if you will. So let's suppose you have been tasked on setting up a CX team in a multinational enterprise. Where would you start? Yeah, so, so based off of my lessons learned, I would absolutely start by uh, understanding from the organization's leadership perspective, what is expected of the CX team, you know, how the leadership would expect this team to contribute to the business goals, and then how many team members could I hire to get started. Based off of the feedback of the leaders, right, I would create what I call CX processes, activities, and competencies. Uh, I would design the organizational structure, and then lastly, create job descriptions needed to achieve these business goals. This is just the start. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what what would be the process that you would follow in this? Would, you, would that be 
having one-on-one interviews with your uh, organization leaders or is there some something else that you've done in the past? Yeah, it, it starts with um, starting with the leadership team, right? I would typically kind of create um, uh, what I call a steering committee, right? And because CX is really in support of business goals, right? You can't create CX just over by itself, right? So really understanding kind of what the business goals are of the organization. And uh, you typically would have a CX champion. It's either the CEO or business unit president. And uh, start with them and understanding what their goals are and then their team's goals. Because at the end of the day, CX is really um, built in an effort to help achieve those goals in a much easier fashion than uh what they've done before sure so when you say goals you're meaning business goals of these heads of uh the business unit or the head of the organization right? yeah so for example or are you straight away or, or are you i was just going to say are you straight away going into cx schools defining the cx schools itself no 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 just business goals right uh, so for example the business goals could be hey i'm trying to grow my revenue, right? I'm trying to be more efficient, take out costs. I'm trying to, um, you know, retain my customer base. So, so it's really focused on the business goals. Right. And then once, and then once you understand that, then you can figure out how uh, you can organize the CX team to help deliver on those goals. Right. And then you could have your you know, specific CX goals, but you got to start with the business goals. Because what I found, man, is that, you know, if you don't start with the business goals and they see how you're going to contribute to those, then it's going to be tough getting the resources required to help them uh, get there. Got it. Got it. That's great. So could you break down the various roles and responsibilities you would hire for in your CX team? And I'm sure it's going to be different when you come with different business goals. Absolutely, yeah. like, let's take an example of um, customer retention being a goal. Like we would like to improve customer retention as an organization and improve, I suppose, customer experience rating in whichever way that is being measured. Yeah. So, you know, you know, the similarly, right, the example that I would start with, and I would call that kind of CX transformation, right? Um, and I think at the, at the end of the day, right, you, there's four kind of roles that I would really start out with. First of all, first and foremost is the CX leader. And I would have this CX leader be really responsible, you know, again, with the organizational leadership for helping define the vision, mission, and strategy of the organization. Uh, they would truly be the customer evangelist throughout the organization, help remove roadblocks of the team. Secondly, uh, I would say a CX change and communication leader. Typically, these would be two separate roles, but at the beginning, I think you want to be as lean as possible. Uh, And this person would kind of define the why behind CX transformation. It's very important, you know, to help every single team member in the organization understand their role in the transformation and then communicate you know, the customer perspective as we go along this journey and kind of what the CX wins are throughout the CX transformation. Third, third would be the uh, voice of the customer and, and a, analytics leader. Again, typically I would have these as two separate roles, but 
at the beginning to be lean, I would combine them again. They, this team would kind of create the, um, what I call both the voice of the customer and team member processes, right? You got to get feedback from both constituencies, uh, gather the input, analyze the feedback, and then provide insights to the organization to help drive the improvements. This team would also develop uh, key performance indicators and dashboards to kind of really help us see how we're progressing towards our goals. And then lastly, I would hire a, uh, what I call a CX continuous improvement leader. And this, uh, this person would help develop the customer journeys, help uh, develop and prioritize and manage the CX uh, project roadmap. Those are the four roles that I would start with in developing and building the CX team. Wonderful. There's just one point that I would like you to explain a little bit more, Thomas. Okay. When you talked about the VOC analytics leader, you mentioned that this, this team or this person is going to be collecting feedback from internal teams as well as the customers and then do the analysis, produce the reports and the dashboards that are required. Yes. Is my understanding correct? Yes, yes. So this this team is also collecting feedback from uh, internal employees. Absolutely. What I would say there is that um, I've been in several organizations where they just do voice of the customer feedback and an external view. And um, transformations, man, they don't happen by themselves. And you absolutely need the feedback from the internal teams because they touch the uh, processes, they touch customers every day, uh, and they have some invaluable insights that you can start with to just do kind of some simple low-hanging fruit improvements. And so I always start with the team members because they have a perspective that is very unique and, uh, and it helps kind of create buy-in, right? If you can give their feedback and you can do a few things early on to say, oh boy, they hurt me and they made a change, it helps them create buy-in because in order for transformations to occur, it is all about the team members buying in to what you're trying to do. And so that's why I start with the, the team member input. Um, show the customer input and then kind of you know combine them together. Great, great. That's interesting, Thomas. I'm just going to dig a little deeper in that because uh, this is like a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> because now I'm thinking, like if you're going to go for an employee feedback uh, first step, what kind of questions are we asking with the employees? Are, are these how happy are you to work with us or would you recommend us as a workplace to you, to your friends and family and those kind of questions? Or are these directed questions that are trying to identify the roadblocks in the way of our employees in delivering the delightful CX that we are trying to build in our vision mission? You know, I've done it both ways. But in this instance, right, my, my question would be very, very simple. And that is, what is one thing we can do to improve the customer experience? And what happens is when you just, you know, I'm a simple guy, man. I'm a ducks and bunny guy. When you just simplify things for folks and just ask that one question, you'll be surprised what you get, right? You're going to get stuff from the customer. You're going to get stuff from the uh, team member perspective. You're going to get all kind of things, right? And, uh, you know, again, it's up to that team to, 
take that feedback and figure out what we can do to address both customer-related processes as well as team member-related process. But I just keep it simple and ask that, that just one simple question. Okay, that's wonderful. And Thomas, who are we asking? Are we going out asking this question with everyone and anyone in the in the organization or are we just targeting employees that are customer facing yeah at the beginning again the prioritized efforts i start with those who touch directly and almost indirectly the customer so for example typically product management does not touch the customer they're designing products for the customer so anybody that is touching the customer directly or uh, doing something on behalf of the customer. That's where I start with that question. So that would be typically uh, sales teams, customer service teams, customer success teams for organizations that have... Implementation management, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, implementation management. How about account management and those guys? Absolutely, yeah, account management, yeah. Wonderful. All right, so that's that's quite uh, interesting. And... Um, I'm curious, what kind of skills and knowledge are you going to be looking for when you're hiring such CX team members? And, and in each position, if you can kind of uh, segregate that for us. Yeah, so I kind of, you know, you know, I, when I think about CX skills, right, I think about athletes. I try to hire athletes, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, so this is a marathon. So, so say it again. I was saying because this is a marathon. Right? It really is. It really is. And so I think about things in terms of first and foremost, right? I'm looking for folks that have uh, demonstrated success in leading CX transformations, right? And so uh, that's first and foremost. You know, have you done it? Secondly, you know, this this whole notion of data analytics. I'm looking for somebody that's very strong at being able to take data, you know, analyze it and provide insights, right? It's one thing to just have the data, but, you know, the, the real skill that I need is somebody to, to provide insights to what it really is saying and the trends there that we can use to kind of help build, uh, build upon and improve both the customer and team member experience. So that's two. Three, uh, that's really important, is uh, folks that have the ability to influence, right? Influence and collaborate very well with teams. Like I said, this is not something, CX is not something you do by yourself. You do, you do it in conjunction with the team. And so, you know, having the ability to influence and collaborate well is a, an important skill that I'm looking for. Uh, second, as I, I mean, the, the third one is called execution, right? I would say, hey, I need you to be able to um, put projects together, implement projects, and you know, do them on time and under budget. Um, and then, yeah, everybody is a salesperson, so I need somebody that can sell their ideas to the organization, right? Has great written and oral communication skills. And last but not least, right, I'm looking for someone that has an unwavering passion for both uh, team members and customers and can confidently represent them in a room of leaders, right, and can be that customer advocate, right? And so when I think about the skills, those are the skills I'm looking for overall and the folks that I'm hiring for. You know, if I think about the the four roles that I mentioned to you before, right? The analytics, voice of the customer analytics, you know, for that particular role, I'm going to lean more on analytics and, um, and um, 
um, voice of the customer of things for the transformation. I'm going to look more for project management, right? And communications, right? And for the change leadership team, I'm looking for somebody that is, is very deep in um, knowing how to tell the story and uh, how to help understand the why. And so, you know, I'm looking for broad skills that are general uh, to everything we do because transformations are all about, you know, bringing everyone together. And but then for the specific roles, I'll go a little bit deeper. I was I was going to ask you about storytelling, and I think you've already brought that in. But I was not thinking about selling skills, to be honest. Oh man, this is so important. <laughs> You know, you, you can, you're not, again, you're not trying to sell for the sake of selling, right? What you're trying to do, you have to be able to um, take insights, right? Hey, this is what I'm hearing from team members. This is what I'm hearing from uh, customers. And I, and I talk about it in terms of fact-based storytelling because what, you know, I, I, it's not, it can't be my opinion because everyone has an opinion, on what they can and what we should and should not do. Uh, you got to be able to sell ideas based off of the facts of what you're hearing, the insights of what you're hearing, and be able to do that in a compelling way. Cool. And, and I'm curious, do you think domain knowledge is important when hiring someone into a CX team? And when I say domain knowledge, I'm talking about industry. Of, of course, you've talked about the function, as in if people have done CX transformation in the past or not, is going to be important. But what about industry knowledge? Does it make a difference that you're hiring some room, someone from FMCG background to run CX transformation in a SaaS? Yeah, I would say no, right? Um, I'm probably a, I'm pro- I probably don't have a favorable response on that one, but I would say no, right? Because what, what I find is that I've been in multiple industries. I've been in healthcare. I've been in financial services. I've been in telecommunications, right? And what's yeah. most important is the ability to listen, right? <laughs> you have to yeah. be able to listen and put yourself in the shoes of that customer that you're working on behalf of. And so uh, what I find is that the domain expertise is already at the organization, right? And I'm not saying you don't need it because it provides a lot of great context. Uh, But I'm saying to build the core group of CX leaders, you need, you you don't need the domain expertise because you're going to, you're going to lean on the domain expertise that's already there. Um, you know, you might be able to get somebody that has domain expertise to be on your team. Um, but the purpose of bringing in someone from a CX perspective is that, you know, they don't have any biases, right? And they can think about things differently than um, what those who have the domain expertise has. And so my answer would be, I don't think you need the domain expertise. Nice. So it's it's a good to have, not a must have. Right, right, right. Wonderful. And Thomas, this is quite interesting. And I, I as a founder, I do a bunch of hiring. And uh, I have realized it's very difficult to identify the kind of skill set that you've mentioned. So can, can you just... Help us uh, with some ways that you could, um, when you're hiring for your CX team, how do you go about identifying whether the person has these skills or not? 
Yeah, I do a few things, right? First and foremost, you know, you got to have the initial conversation and, you know, asking them the, the questions. Um, but the thing that I do that, um, you know, I found very helpful is, you know, you got to do some case, what I call case studies. And you can do case studies in the interview that says, hey, you know, give me an example when, give me, you know, so the whole, you know, behavioral interview questions, I think is good. But, you know, giving them an example problem that you're facing or that you think you're going to face and say, hey, how would you approach this problem, right? And what you're trying to do, you're trying to help understand how they think. And, you know, there's typically not a right or wrong answer to it, but based off of their thought process and how they would tackle the problem, you glean a lot of uh, insights from that. And so, you know, every, every CX leader, every business leader has a problem that they're either facing or know they're going to face. And so you just throw it out there to that uh, group of folks that you're interviewing with and you see how they approach it. And then when I get to the final group, right, uh, I may give them a, a true real problem with data and say, hey, here's the problem. And you can ask me any question you want to clarify, but I want you to come back with a, uh, a pre presentation that tells me how you would approach this problem. And so, um, you know, both answering the asking the questions up front in a behavioral manner uh, and then giving them a particular problem to approach, I think, is a great way to really glean the skills. You, know, you, you still never know, uh, but those are good ways to start. That's wonderful. Thomas, I'm just going to ask a couple of more questions on this topic. You had mentioned amongst the four roles, there was a role about communication. Yes, yes. Someone who would champion the communication around CX. Could you talk through that role, in particular, the responsibilities that role is going to carry? Yeah, so I called that kind of what I call my uh, communication and change leader, right? And, and again, in CX transformations, again, this is just from a lessons learned perspective. The most, you know, one of the most important things is the cultural uh, transformation. Because what happens when uh, when you when a leader brings in um, somebody that says, "Hey, we want to help drive CX transformations." You have a lot of different camps in an organization. You have what I call the early adopters. They get it. They want to. They, they want to help you, right? Uh, you got the people that are kind of on the fence. They're in the middle. They're like, huh, "I don't really know uh, about this. This is just a fad of the day." And then you got. It's not never going to work, right? <laughs> and then you have those who are detractors, right? They really are not on board at all, right? And so this CX change leader really tries to help us understand where the different camps are, what their perspectives are, uh, what's important to them, right? And, you know, how do we create a communication plan to kind of help move them, right? So, you know, you're trying to find the early adopters. You're trying to get those champions that can, you know, drive the, throughout the organization. And that role is really about understanding where folks are and putting communications plans together for specific audiences, right? I, I may need to go target this organizational group, right? 
and uh, they're doing it overall for all team members in the organization. So this is tri- strictly an internal role, and they're helping us kind of help drive the culture of CX, but doing it in a very both targeted way, depending on what groups are we're targeting, and a general way for the whole organization. Perfect. That sounds like someone with content marketing or essentially a marketing background would be a good fit for that role. Yeah, what I would say is more um, in in organizations I've been in, it's kind of a combination of a what I call a um, organizational development. So so somebody typically in HR has this skill set, right, because they they understand change management. They understand how to get the why. But also to your point, right, I need somebody that can and that can create a story and articulate it. So it's a combination, I think, of those two kind of functional skill sets, someone from HR that really understands organizational management, change management, and then someone from marketing that can really help tell the story. So, you know, I'm looking for a person that's probably not out there. <laughs> I, I was thinking about HR function, but but when you said that, I believe I would also lean towards that uh, function more because you could find good HR people who can still develop the ability to craft good messages and communicate well, which I think comes with the HR function uh, inherently. But it's going to be difficult to get a marketing person to understand change management and those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to be leaning on that side. So another question on that point, uh, Thomas. What kind of KPIs do you set for these uh, uh, your CX team? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, it all depends on what the business goals are, right? So, um, you know, typically in for g- in general, right, always try to start with the voice of the customer, right? And you know, I would try to pick you know a metric that uh, the organization has bought off on. Uh, that says, hey, this is how we're going to measure success of CX. And, you know, I've used a variety of them. One that I've used probably most uh, uh, in many organizations is the net promoter score. Um, and so that's kind of kind of the primary kind of North Star of kind of what organizations are looking for. But I've used customer sat. I've used, I've used a variety of them. What I find is that you pick one, you stick with it, provide the insights, drive the change, and you'll be fine. So, so that's first and foremost. And then um, what's more important than the um, customer outcome metric is what are the, what I call in-process metrics that we think drive that, right? So, so for example, right, after you've done your analytics, you may find that, boy, customer issue resolution is a big driver into overall uh, net promoter score. And so you would be looking every day at what percentage of customers did I resolve their issue on the first try, right? Uh, you may find that it is um, customer uh, implementation cycle time is a big driver in the net promoter score. So you look at, hey, uh, how fast is it? How, how how long is it taking me to get the customers up and running from the time they say yes to the time they start using the product, right? 
So again, this is where the uh, voice of the customer and analytics person comes in because you really don't know what your KPIs are going to be until you've done the analytics to say, hey, what are the business processes that are driving my outcome metric of CX, right? And those are the KPIs that you would develop and put in front of the leadership team and the operational teams and the sales teams, depending on which the drivers and say, hey, we're going to be looking at this every day or every week or every month because we know that's a, a critical correlated variable to driving our outcome metric. What I find, what I tend to find folks, uh, folks focus too much on the outcome metric, net promoter score by itself, right? And, uh, you know, you'll get uh, a little change in net promoter score and they think the world has fallen in and that's just not the case, right? Uh, the, the key is to focus on the uh, in-process metrics uh, that drive that. And that's because that's where the teams that you're interacting with every day, that's what they have control over. And you want to you want to get as close to what they have control over. Uh, and then if you do that right, it will drive the outcome metric. That is awesome, Thomas. And, and thanks for bringing that out, because I've also noticed this uh, in several organizations that I work with, that NPS or that CSAT becomes the whole and soul, uh, but people try to forget the root causes behind those metrics. And, and when the leadership or, or the CX team starts driving uh, incorrect behavior towards that, that specific metric, people in the organization start gaming the system and they start coming up with ways to improve that matrix without necessarily improving the customer's experience. Yeah, and it's no different from um, when you say, hey, you want to drive uh, the net promoter score, right? And you say to your customer-facing folks, hey, we're going to measure you on net promoter. And they have a behavior that says, hey, give me a 10 on this because they know how it's measured. It's like, OK, that is not the objective, guys. We are not we're not trying to get you to score. But again, you know, unfortunately, folks, you know, they, their behavior change on based on how they're paid. And so you got to find a way that balances the right metric to drive uh, versus driving the right behaviors that we're looking for in the organization. That's that's awesome. So I reckon. You've built CX strategy, vision, and mission in your past roles. Thomas. Yes, yes. Could you talk through? Could you talk through how you go about doing so? It would help our listeners if you could also walk us through the process you follow. Yeah, this is another tricky one, man. Because at the end of the day, there should not be a separate CX vision, mission, and strategy. Right? There should be a business mission and vision and strategy. And CX should be components of that business strategy. So, you know, I, I, I again, because I, I, what happens is when you try to pull everything out and separate it, then the organization and people look at it as a separate. Um, but I, I understand your question and my, your point, but I really want to be very clear that there should not be a separate CX vision, mission, and strategy. There should be a business because what you want is you want CX to be integrated into the business. You do not want CX to be a separate component of the business, but, you know, I know that, you know, we have to develop, you know, a CX vision and mission that complements the business strategy. And so, you know, what I've done in order to... Yeah, and I guess it, it just helps if you have a CX strategy, vision, and mission kind of a thing. 
uh, it just helps you drive that as a as a force in your organization. Obviously, it has to be aligned with the business uh, mission and strategy, so that everything that is being done in CX is bringing about the business outcomes that are required. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I have, that's why I started. Yeah, you know, I start with okay, what is the business? vision, mission, or strategy, right? And then, yes, I have created the CX vision, mission, and strategy that aligns with that, right? And so, you know, I I try to um, first start with, okay, what is it that we're trying to accomplish from a CX perspective, where we're trying to go? And uh, again, truly, truly align the vision and mission with what the organization is trying to do and kind of what CX is trying to do. But the, the real, where the rubber meets the road, Vivek, is on the CX strategy. It's just a little bit more involved, right? And I typically follow three steps to kind of develop the CX strategy. First and foremost is kind of create a current state you know, really walking the process as a customer, you know, attain feedback from the customer and really understand their pain points. Uh, Secondly, really try to uh, get the internal feedback. As I mentioned, it's very important for those folks who are touching the customer and uh, both directly and indirectly and the leadership team, you know, what are their perspectives on kind of where we are? Um, and then lastly, in this assessment process is just kind of comparing our organizational capabilities with that of the industry, uh, both in the industry and, you know, who, who's best in class. Uh, so really just starting with current state assessment. Secondly, you know, I really try to determine, hey, where does the organization want to be on this kind of on this CX spectrum, Right. Do they want to be the best in class? Now, some organizations say, hey, I want to be number one or number two in, uh, uh, as it relates to CX, which means, hey, you're going to be competing against the best in class, not in your industry, but the best in class, right? Or do they just want to be a fast follower? You know, So really trying to understand where the organization wants to be on this uh, on the CX uh, spectrum, You know, how much uh, investment does the company want to make to achieve these goals? And then lastly, on this second component, you know, what is the differentiated experience that the organization wants to truly, truly own, right? Uh, And then the creating of the uh, strategic elements of CX is really about uh, now you know where you are, where you want to be. It is um, creating kind of the, the elements of CX that will help the organization kind of close that gap, right? So, you know, as I develop the strategy, I ensure that it's fact-based, you know, again, aligned with the organization vision, mission, and, uh, and strategy. But, uh, but those are the components, doing the assessment, um, doing the comparative uh, view or understanding kind of where the organization want to be. And then, you know, depending on what comes out of that analysis, right, then you can say, okay, step one, I want, you know, for example, right, uh, I've done a strategy where we we found out that uh, our basic delivering on the promises was just not there, right? You can't develop a, you know, a differentiated experience if you're not delivering on the basics, right? <laughs> if you're not 
delivering the product on time, right? You can say, hey, I want to have a, a, a phenomenal experience, but you got to get the basics done right. And so the first component of our CX strategy was just stabilizing, right? How do we just stabilize the current performance of the organization? And once you get stable, then you can go, okay, now I'm going to differentiate on this experience. And so depending on what comes out of that current state assessment and where the company wants to be, then the strategic elements will fall in place for kind of what your roadmap is going to be to drive uh, improvement. That's wonderful. That helps a lot, Thomas. Thanks for sharing that. Now, how do you ensure that the top management is on board and provides you with the people and the resources required to be successful in achieving your CX goals? Yeah, this is a double-edged sword question as well. You're giving me all these tricky questions, Vivek, man. (laughs) So what I would say is top management is on board when CX is one of their top priorities, right? You know, I think about, again, like a CEO or a business unit president, they have got to say, hey, I know that in order for me to hit my business objectives, you know, customer experience has got to be one of my top priorities, right? What happens is when they say that, right, and when this, when that is articulated across the organization uh, that CX is a top priority, senior leaders, they ensure that their key priorities get properly resourced, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, but as a CX leader, is there, is there something that the, in, in absolutely, the CX team? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. the best way to, you know, to, to keep them on board is to absolutely show results, right? The CX uh, initiatives, again, should not only deliver a better and differentiated experience, but it also should drive kind of financial value, you know, by the customers staying longer, buying more and referring others. Right. The CX leader must prioritize the roadmap um, and they need to be part of the business planning process. Right. Um, Because, you know, once you know what the business goals are, you've identified, you know, from an analytics perspective where you're going to focus and then you have a roadmap. Right. And so showing results that you have, uh, you know, delivered, you know, you're delivering on that roadmap while the CX, uh, while the business is driving results is important. You know, again, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I create this kind of CX steering committee. Uh, it's made of cross-functional leaders. And the whole purpose of that is to keep them up to date on what's going on um, to help, you know, drive governance and decision-making processes as we are moving this transformation along the road. And so, you know, the CX leader has a couple roles, right? They have to help the organization say, hey, these are the things we're going to do based off of your business priorities. But, you know, they will use that, uh, you know, CX steering committee to truly keep them up to date, showing, hey, this is what we said we were going to do. This is what we did. Hey, oh, no, we're running into a roadblock because of this. Hey, I'm going to need your help doing that. But it's a combination of the CX leader driving the uh, roadmap and communicating that, but doing it in a formal way with the uh, steering committee. That's how you keep them up to date to help ensure you're going to get the resources that you need to drive the transformation. That's wonderful. So summing it up, what you mean is having a regular communication channel between the top management and the CX leader through the steering committee is going to be of most importance. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, that's wonderful. Now it's time for some rapid fire questions. Great, great. So which non-business book would you recommend someone and why? And there you go again with these hard questions. Um, you know, a book that I would recommend is called The Celestine Prophecy. This is a book uh, that's very interesting. The key message of the book says that everyone comes into your life for a reason. And there are no coincidences of, about why you and when you meet folks. Either you're there to give them something or they're there to give you something. But there are no coincidences. And so... I got a lot of uh, insights as I read that book. So the, call it, it's called The Celestine Prophecy. The Celestine Prophecy. Yes. And the author is? I can't remember the author, um, but if you That's type in right. Celestine okay. Prophecy, it will come up. Sure, sure. Which business leader do you follow and what have you learned from him or her? You know, it's interesting. I spent some time at uh, GE early in my career. And so I follow Jack Welch, right? Um, Jack, you know, in his time, he's a very innovative leader, but my biggest takeaway from, um, from GE and Jack Welch is that you have to develop and grow your people. GE had this concept called, uh, session C, and it was really about, Hey, what experiences, what development, what are we going to do to grow our next uh, generation of leaders? And so, um, Jack has this quote, it says, leaders establish trust with candor, transparency, and credit, right? And so, you know, the biggest takeaway from Jack is, you know, develop your leaders. Nice, nice. What is your word of advice for CX managers about building the right CX management team? Yeah, the, the biggest word of advice would be get alignment, right? You got to get alignment from the senior leaders on the expectations of the CX team. Uh, because with that alignment, uh, understanding what the business leaders see uh, CX helping with, and clearly you as a CX leader have to drive that, but get alignment on what the expectations are, you know, structure the team to meet those expectations. And then lastly, you know, find the team members with the right skills and experiences, not only to deliver CX, but to deliver it in, uh, in, uh, in a way that's collaborative and aligned with the culture of the organization. Wonderful. So bring alignment as well as build a team and bring clarity towards where you're going. Absolutely. Wonderful. Now, Thomas, with that, we've also come to the end of this podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank you for this wonderful discussion. It was a delight having you on this podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks. And to all our listeners, this is Vivek signing off from CX Conversations. Until next time, bye.